1: on my website at shalomkline.com, And while you are there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Shalom It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information you will not want to miss. It is a live show. You can call into the beautiful studio here in Elk Grove Village at 312-642-5600. And we've got a jam-packed lineup indeed. You can always go to my website, shalomkline.com to download the podcast from the past six-plus years of shows. And speaking of shows, my very first guest on the program, Rena Friedman Watts, is the host of the Better Call Daddy podcast and uh, also a media marketing specialist with a resume so impressive, it will blow you away. So let's get started. Let's get into it. Rena Friedman Watts, welcome to Get Down to Business.
0: Hey, Shalom. I'm so excited to be here.
1: Oh, it's so exciting to have you. Arena, you have worked with uh, some pretty impressive uh, individuals. You've uh, been involved in uh, producing uh, shows like Jerry Springer. And I mean, the list goes on and on. I just dropped, I just name dropped one. But Rena, I love to get to know the person behind the microphone. Can you tell our listeners very briefly a little bit about your background?
0: Well, it's been rumored that there's six degrees of separation between Kevin Bacon and anyone else in Hollywood, but I feel like today that is just shrinking to like two degrees with my you know, varied network of influencers and people that I'm connected to on LinkedIn, I can help take your business to the next level.
1: A hundred percent, and you are a LinkedIn aholic. That is for sure. You are connected with so many people, and actually, just this morning, I spoke to somebody that you put me in touch with. So thank you for that. And Rena, you are, um, as mentioned, uh, super connected in the world of uh, of Hollywood. But really, you have brought some of that expertise into the business world. And we're going to talk all about uh, the work that you do with companies, but I want to get started actually in talking about your podcast, Better Call Daddy uh, show you. I believe I spoke to you, I think a couple of days before you actually sort of went live with it and uh, it's been quite a ride. So give us the premise. What is the gist of Better Call Daddy? It's such a fun sounding name, but what does it actually mean?
0: So I have been fascinated by people for as long as I can remember. I love hearing a story. I'm generally interested in who people are, what they do, why they do it. And then we become friends. And over the years, I have collected a very diverse group of friends. And so my dad has been begging me to make a show of my own for years. And I was like, all right, you know what? I'm going to make a show. I'm roping you in. I'm going to interview people, share the stories with my dad, and get my dad's perspective.
1: It, it's, it's such an awesome uh, format, and I, I strongly recommend all of our listeners to, uh, to uh, take a listen. and We'll make sure that our folks uh, can uh, find the podcast, which really is everywhere where podcasts are available. Um, and it's, uh, you said a word that I love to use myself all the time, which is telling a story. So, Rena, you have uh, been helping others tell their stories through your program, including many people in business. Uh, So tell us, as you've been podcasting, what are some of the most exciting moments and some of the most exciting conversations for you?
0: Oh, my gosh. This past week, I got to interview James Altucher, who I just admire and I've been a big fan of for a very long time. I watched his IG lives all summer and my husband won a Twitter contest of Brian Keating's and then Brian Keating introduced me. Personally to James Altucher and now this coming week. I am interviewing his wife and she has never been on a podcast So that is a high
1: that is certainly very 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 cool So you tell stories um, through your podcast, but you also help business owners tell their stories as well and you have uh, Your own uh, marketing uh, consulting practice. So let's talk about storytelling for the entrepreneurs that are tuning in To get down to business, everybody's looking to improve themselves, improve their businesses in general. But certainly in this era of COVID where we are socially distant, what are some of the tips that you help some of your clients with?
0: Well, some of my clients have already built communities. It's just they need like an up level. And I just believe that people are people. They're fascinating, but they're still people. And I'm not afraid to knock on doors.
1: And is it and, that, that yeah. lack of, uh, of, of, I call it trepidation that, that I, I know you have this fearless instinct when you're having conversations on the podcast, but is it that skill that has helped you grow your own business and that you teach to other business owners?
0: Yes, that's definitely part of my moxie.
1: That's so much fun. That's so awesome. So, in terms of businesses, uh, we just talked about some examples on the podcast. Can you tell us examples? You don't need to use names, um, but of businesses that you, that you have worked with um, during your extensive career uh, that you have helped grow.
0: I've worked with best-selling authors. I've worked with top podcasters. I've worked with influencers. I've worked on events, helping them get sponsorships. I've even helped people get back into the dating world and navigate creating a profile and how to weed out men.
1: <laughs> That's wild. That's totally wild. I'm chatting <laughs> with Rena Friedman Watts, um, who is the host of the Better Call Daddy podcast. Uh, you can find it really wherever podcasts are available. Uh, and uh, shout out! I was uh, I was privileged to be uh, to, to join Rena as a guest on the show. Uh, Actually, we recorded a little while ago, but it just uh, promoted, I think it was last week or so. Um, But, Rena, one of the things that you asked me on the podcast uh, in that very relaxed recording session, which was very much a conversation, and I know that that is... The art of storytelling is. You asked me about some of the people that are sort of on my wish list, and one of the things that you say on your LinkedIn profile, which I found fascinating, is you connect people with change makers. Something that requires breaking down doors. So, give us an example, Arena. How have you done that yourself? Who has been on your wish list, and how have you gotten through to them?
0: Yeah. So that James Altucher was an example of somebody who was definitely on my wish list. And I had, you know, gotten his attention by sharing things about him in my story and on Instagram. And I saw that he had checked that out. I had tried to email him before and was unsuccessful that way. Like he had responded to my emails. So he kind of already knew who I was. I was establishing that relationship, but it wasn't until I was then connected with someone who had met him in person and who he had had on his show. So it took like three reach outs before our relationship was established enough where he was like, okay, let me give this chick the time of the day. (laughs) And that has happened with other influencers as well, where I might, you know, engage with them on Instagram, check them out on Twitter, see what they're doing on Facebook, start a conversation with them and then you know there might be somebody who's just starting their podcast or somebody who has a following but doesn't have a connection to that person and i can bridge that gap
1: i love it i love it and really that's a lesson that everybody uh tuning in to get down to business whether you're looking for a job or you're you're trying to grow your business that's something that persistence and that uh, I love what you said also about the research that you do. I called you a LinkedIn-aholic earlier, and I mean it. Um, LinkedIn is such a great tool uh, to help you with research, and I know you go through that process with all of your guests and all of the business owners that you interact with and really anybody that you interact with. So I've been chatting with Rena friedman Watts. Um, Rena, I am just about out of time, but I want to make sure our listeners know where they can find you. Um, what is the best way for uh, folks to get in touch with you?
0: LinkedIn is probably the best way to get in touch with me. I am Rena Friedman Watts on there. I'm Rena Friedman Watts on Instagram, bettercalldaddy.com.
1: Bettercalldaddy.com. I strongly recommend check out the podcast. You'll not regret it. Really a very um, fun, relaxing uh, show I uh, I have uh, been downloading the podcast and I actually listen in the car when I'm on the road. It uh, it's it's fun. It's engaging. Uh, it breaks down some barriers, and I love the conversations. Rena, keep up the amazing work, and I can't wait to uh, to follow your success here and get down to business. Thank you so much. Absolutely, check out the Better Call Daddy show, at BetterCallDaddy.com, and on every single platform on your podcast uh, and coming up after the break i'm going to be chatting with the newly arrived council for public diplomacy at the consulate of israel to the midwest he is uh breaking down some barriers himself in uh, in strengthening israel's relationships throughout states throughout the midwest a uh, experienced diplomat i am thrilled to be joined again by the council for public diplomacy at the Israeli consulate uh, in the Midwest. You're listening to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business, jobs, and entrepreneurship. Check out my website, ShalomKlein.com. Follow me on Twitter, at Klein. Don't touch that dial. Chicago will be right back and get down to business. Israel has been in the news so much over these past few weeks and months for quite a few amazing, amazing things. But here in Chicago, we are very excited because there is a nonstop flight between chicago and israel that just launched and uh so much going on and here to talk about it is my very good friend daniel shayam who is uh the newly arrived council for public diplomacy at the consulate general of israel to the midwest daniel welcome to the program Thank you very much, Salom. Thank you for having me. Good evening. Good evening. It's great to have you. And I have to say, my friend, um, you recently arrived as uh, from your former role as the deputy chief of mission at the Israeli embassy in Senegal, and you arrived to this cold, cold weather in Chicago. So I have to start by asking, uh, how are you enjoying Chicago so far?
3: First of all, Chicago is one of the most beautiful cities in the world, I think, and I don't think I'm exaggerating. It's not my first time in Chicago, and it's not because I'm comparing my recent city with Senegal, Dakar, where I lived. I really think, objectively, it's one of the best kept secret gems around the world, and my job is to make it not a secret anymore, and therefore, as you said, I hope that the direct line of United Airlines and hopefully El Al will also resume its vision of the direct line will bring more and more Israeli tourists to see this beautiful city in the Midwest.
1: Absolutely. And we're going to talk some more about some of the amazing things that are happening, but... uh, Daniel, I want to start by uh, by talking about you and your arrival here in Chicago. As I mentioned, you came from Senegal. You have arrived in Chicago. Uh, I know you have a beautiful family and you're uh, settling in um, to work with an amazing, amazing team. But is there anything that you want to tell our listeners a little bit about um, your experiences and how you hope to bring some of those uh, skills and experiences uh, to the entire Midwest in your role as a diplomat representing the state of Israel?
3: Thank you, Shalom, for raising it. Yes, indeed, it's correct. A month ago, and a half ago, I had the privilege to come with my wife, baby, and dog, which we also adopted in Senegal. After two years of being the deputy ambassador to Senegal and four other countries in, in sub-Saharan West Africa, which is a unique, dynamic experience with many challenges, but I think a lot, a lot of potential to continue to strengthen Israeli relations with Africa. So many people don't know what Israel is doing in a place like Africa. And I personally had the privilege to work on various projects, whether it's building the ecosystem for innovation in Senegal and helping it become the startup nation of Africa, using the Israeli model for innovation, whether it's bringing Israeli culture together with Senegalese culture, whether it's humanitarian projects of Mashav, Israel's development agency, helping people in the fields of agriculture, women empowerment, business, creating businesses, small businesses, of crop development, export, import, and many things, in order to make this make Africa great again. So we are there as Israel is their ally of not only Senegal but. For me, what was interesting is coming to a country which is French-speaking. I didn't speak a word of French, and I came out of there feeling like I know I have very close friends there who I speak to. Even though you don't always have the language, the verbal language, official language, you feel like you talk to people, and they understand you, and you understand them. And I think that's the wonderful thing about being a diplomat, building bridges, between
1: people, and I hope to bring that here as well. Absolutely, and I'm so glad you use those words, building bridges, because I, I talk about that pretty much every single day of my life, but certainly on this program, <laughs> we talk a lot about bridge building, uh, and uh, there is some amazing bridge building that is taking place uh, just in the in the world. Israel has uh, has now signed historic peace deals with the United Arab Emirates, with Bahrain, um, some fascinating, fascinating developments. And um, so you come into Chicago um, riding the coattails of that amazing, amazing news. So what sort of bridge building uh, do you hope to uh, to 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 see uh, here in some of your conversations. And I know, of course, that you are coming here at the in the early, early days. We're hoping it won't be very long until you can be out and about, involved in running programs. But right now you're doing it virtually. What sort of bridge building do you hope to see here in the Midwest in general?
3: So as for what is happening in the Middle East, I think that, as you said, what we are seeing in recent weeks with the signing of the peace treaty with the UAE and Bahrain, today they signed the various bilateral agreements in manama a historical El al flight again another history making landed in the capital of bahrain with a big delegation it's truly remarkable and history making so i hope this will lead to peace in the entire middle east between israel and its immediate and distant neighbors this regarding what's happening in the middle east as to bridges here first of all for me I am going to talk first with our Jewish friends, who I know we have a lot of listeners, the Jewish communities of the Midwest. And for me, building bridges with you, it's okay, it's legitimate to have disagreements and times and see certain things from different perspectives. However, the one thing I'm asking in order to continue build this great bridge between us and the Jewish communities. Regardless whether you are liberal, conservative, republican or democrat, reform, conservative, orthodox, reconstructionist, or any other affiliation, be involved. Don't be indifferent. Care about Israel. Visit Israel. Connect with Israelis. Argue, love, support. In the end, we are all one large mishpucha, one big family. So Israel will always be there for you. It is and will always be one of the only Jewish states. It will be the only Jewish state for all Jews around the world. So this is for the Jewish friends that are listening to this program and to the others in the Midwest, smaller or larger communities. We are one family.
1: That's, that's a beautiful that message. Means. That's a beautiful, beautiful message. And 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 Daniel, touching on, I know where you're where you're heading. Um, in your capacity as the Council for Public Diplomacy, you're involved in so many different areas, including uh, culture, academics, intercommunity relations, and diplomatic relations. That's a uh, that's a wide portfolio. So, uh, if you don't mind, touch on some of the areas that have already been accomplished prior to your arrival, and where you are hoping to dedicate your efforts and energies.
3: So the the consul general here has been uh, active in many fields, not only in Illinois and Chicago, but with all the nine states that we are working with on a daily basis. So also now in COVID, regardless whether we can get there physically or not, we are organizing Zoom in order to bring the community together. We are active in the International Film Festival in Chicago in the Israeli Film Festival. So regarding cultural ties, we are involved in many different things, whether connected to music, theater, uh, and theater or literature, all of these innovation fields. In the economic field, we are working with the Chamber of Commerce from the various states. We are working in order to bring Israel and bring Israeli companies into the Midwest, bring Midwestern companies into Israel. We helped uh, making this line, the direct line of the United Airlines come into place. We are connecting between the state legislators and Israel in the academic field. We are working with our friends in campuses, with staff and faculty, first to bring Israel into the campus to see the diversity of what Israel brings on the one hand, and then also there to fight BDS and those who are against Israel and against against pluralism in campus. So we don't have a problem with criticism. We do have a problem with anti-Semitism and BDS. So we are working in various fields. And for me, a true priority would be connecting people to the real Israel, the diverse Israel, the pluralistic Israel, the exciting Israel, the innovative and creative Israel. And there are many, many, many different things that we can do together, whether it's in culture, economic projects, academic cooperation to bring a stronger bridge between Israel and Absolutely. the Middle
1: Absolutely. I'm chatting with Daniel Shayim who is the uh, newly arrived Council for Public Diplomacy. The Israeli Consulate in the Midwest and uh, Daniel, uh, perfect segue as we wrap up um, as we wrap up uh, our time together. Uh, certainly, uh, that flight, uh, that United flight, and hopefully very soon an al flight will help to uh, transport our listeners uh, to visit Israel. But there are many ways to engage and be involved right now. Uh, Daniel, can you please share uh, the website and where people can uh, learn more about the work of the consulate?
3: So first of all, I recommend through the Facebook page, the Instagram page. We still don't have, but we have a Twitter, very active Twitter page. We have an active LinkedIn page, whether it's it's us, the diplomats there, or Consul General Aviv Ezra, or the official page, which is called Israel in Chicago. So the best you can follow is Israel in Chicago, either Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn. You'll find all the information, which is updated daily. Come, engage with us, share with us talk to us. We are there. Me personally, I'll be happy to talk to you through my network, Daniel Ashheim, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. Okay, fantastic. Daniel, soon. we're
1: going to have to leave it there, but I appreciate you coming on Get Down to Business, and I encourage our listeners to engage, be involved. Israel in Chicago, the Consulate General of Israel to the Midwest. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and speaking about small business. I am thrilled to be joined by David Boris, small business owner for many years, very involved, actively in leadership of the Main Street Alliance and National Business Network. David, welcome to the program.
4: Thanks, Shalom. I'm so happy to be here.
1: Appreciate it. It's great to have you. And uh, for those that uh, haven't uh, heard your name before, you have been the owner of uh, Hell's Kitchen Catering in uh, Baystate, I believe in Northbrook. Is that correct? Correct. For
4: 34 years. Hell's Kitchen is still in business. I'm just not the owner any
1: longer. That just means you have less stress and you're able to be uh, actively involved in so many other things, which we're going to talk about. Uh, But I'd love to get to know the person behind the microphone, uh, David, for our listeners. Do you mind telling uh, everybody a little bit uh, about yourself?
4: Well, sure. Um, Hell's Kitchen, uh, myself and my wife, Carrie, started the business uh, 34 and 35 years ago. Now, it was really kind of the American dream, right? I mean, we scraped together a little bit of money. I uh, was fortunate enough to have a father and a father-in-law who were willing to co-sign a note. And, uh, and we got started 900 square feet in uh, downtown Highland Park. And uh, believe me, the first uh, 18 months into the business, when I had left, you know, a career track in, uh, in hospitality, in the corporate world, uh, and I thought, why am I mopping the floor? Why am I working 17-hour days, my wife as well? And um, then we expanded four years later. We expanded eight years after that, and uh, it all worked out quite well. When we sold it. We had 37 full-time employees, over 80 part-time and seasonal workers, and um, it, it was good for us.
1: Absolutely. And David, you have uh, you have been very actively involved, as I mentioned uh, earlier, Main Street Alliance. But uh, in particular, when somebody uh, looks you up and we'll make sure that uh, folks know where they can find you, um, that uh, you very often many folks will see um, that you testified in front of the Small Business Committee uh, in the United States Congress. And you have been an advocate for workers. And that is something I I want to bring it back to Hell's Kitchen Um, throughout your time in uh, in small business. It sounds like uh, your employees uh, were sort of really the business that you were in. Yes, you were in uh, catering, um, but you learned a lot about people. Do you mind telling our listeners a little bit about that?
4: Well, I, I think that the two things go together. And when you talk about how we, you know, watch out for workers, we watch out for workers, you know, before we had to, we certainly provided health care for our employees early on in our business because we, we thought it was simply the right thing to do. They're part of our family. The, the other thing that I thought was really important, and, and I, I, I was in D.C. a couple of times um, talking about raising wages. And that isn't really, that's a moral conversation at its core, but really at its core for small business, raising wages is a conversation about aggregate demand right? Seventy percent of our economy is consumer spending. And if there is not enough money in the pockets of consumers, then there's we're not in business. And my employees are my neighbor businesses, customers and his employees are my customers. And and seeing a virtuous cycle of rising wages, job creation and profitability is is how we kind of view the small business economy.
1: Absolutely. and I'm chatting with David Boris, the longtime owner of uh, Hell's Kitchen catering in, uh, in Northbrook. Uh, David uh, now is continuing his advocacy around, uh, around businesses. you were just hearing um, talking about wages. but also David, you have been the ad- an, a, a very strong advocate uh, from the business perspective, really from all perspectives um, for the fair tax in Illinois. And we're going to uh, continue talking about that. Um, but, uh, David, how how did you come around to uh, supporting uh, the official, uh, you folks can probably have received in the mail, the official fair tax ballot language? Um, but how did you come around to supporting this initiative?
4: Well, I think we've understood for a long time right, that, that Illinois has, has sort of been digging themselves a hole for quite some time that's a bipartisan hole that's been dug. And 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 so you start to look several years ago at how, how do you really get out of this, right? How do we solve the structural debt problem in Illinois? At the same time, we start to look at where the income's been going, right? As the economy produces greater returns um, for the overall economy, in Illinois in particular, as well as across the country, where does the money wind up? And And when I look at my income. You know, it's a funny story. They asked Warren Buffett, I think, a couple of years ago, they said, you know, well, doesn't it bother you when they talk about class war? And he said, well, no, it, 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 it is a war and my class is winning. Right. And, and so, so I think there's an important conversation here about what happens when a modern economy distributes uh, the riches of that economy in, in, in and in a very, very unequal way, well, we, we start to look at what I, I think, if, if you'll let me invoke a quote here for a moment, what the father of modern capitalism said about how taxation is supposed to work. Um, Adam Smith in 1776 When he wrote The Wealth of Nations said, and if you'll indulge me for a moment, the subjects of every state ought to contribute toward the support of the government as nearly as possible in proportion to their respective abilities. That is, in proportion to the revenue which they respectively enjoy under the protection of the state. A goal of taxation should be to remedy inequality of riches as much as possible by relieving the poor and burdening the rich. So, so, I think that it, 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 it became obvious and evident that if we want to leave, the most money in the pocket.
1: David, David I'm, I'm just going to have to cut yeah. you off real quick because we're going to squeeze in a quick break, but we're going to continue our conversation with David Boris, a uh, longtime business owner and advocate for the fair tax when we come back after this quick break. We are back on Get Down to Business and continuing our conversation with David Boris, the longtime owner of Hell's Kitchen Catering and member of the Main Street Alliance's National Executive Committee. Uh, David, uh, we were just talking about uh, the fair tax and uh, really what you were talking about in your experience in uh, in business uh, in your many years uh, owning Hell's Kitchen uh, Catering is you talked about your focus on people. And uh, it sounds like a lot of that brought you to support of the fair tax, which is uh, candidly a very controversial issue in, in this upcoming election. Um, so, so, David, uh, what have you been hearing on, uh, I guess, uh, can, you know, bluntly, uh Main Street? What are you hearing um, from, from folks uh, in, uh, as we prepare just a couple of weeks away from the upcoming election? So
4: I think we're hearing some things that, that are legitimate, uh, legitimate concerns uh, to be taken up, in my opinion, after we pass the fair tax. I don't think there's any question, when you look at the actual numbers, that the fair tax needs to happen. We need to get to a graduated tax system, and I'm not going to go through all the numbers with all the other states and how it works in other states and how effective it's been and what it meant to California and what it meant to Minnesota. Those are just bald-faced facts. I do think, though, there is a deep concern with people saying, you know, Springfield seems to have screwed it up for a number of years, 30 or 40 years we spent digging this hole. Why should I trust them to get it right now? And I I think that's a really hard question to answer. But I do think the simplest answer is it's us. It's business owners. It's the electorate, not at this moment to say, let's throw out the baby with the bathwater. Let's not pass good legislation because we don't really trust those guys down there. I think we passed the legislation. And then what I've been advocating to people is, you make certain you get on a telephone zoom meeting or a phone call with your state rep with your state senator within five weeks after the election and say okay we gave you the money i want to talk about this budget i need to be more involved i need to know more and i know a lot of people will sit and say look i got a family to raise i got a business to run i don't have time to be involved but you know what this is our lives and we certainly have to take the time to be more involved and holding our state representatives feet to the fire to do the things that we know they need to do. And, and I, I think that's the concern. People are uneasy. I've talked to dozens of people who say to me, I know it's the right thing to do, but God, I just don't like trusting those guys down there. My question is what are you going to do if you don't pass it? You're going to trust them to get it right without the ability to Put the taxes in a modern economy where they belong. Uh, it's a train wreck if you don't. David,
1: I want to talk about advocacy, um, which is a perfect segue from our conversation about the fair tax, um, because that is something that uh, I, I love your point, regardless of what side people fall on this particular issue, regardless what side uh, people fall into in the pr- in the presidential election or any other election that's taking place, your strong message is advocacy. So, David, you know a thing or two about being busy. You ran a successful business. You've been busy in your personal and professional life. So... Tell us a little bit about your advocacy and when you sort of fell in love with the idea of being actively involved in making a difference because I hear it in your voice that is something that that I know you want to encourage everybody regardless of, of, of where uh, on the, uh, where on the aisle they, they might fall.
4: Sure. Well my advocacy as a business owner really started um, because I was in such a state of pain paying, paying uh, crazy wild healthcare care premiums, right? So I got involved in 2008 um, with, um, with Healthcare for America Now, uh, working with, with a couple of different organizations uh, in the state of Illinois and then wound up working on the national level um, and wound up testifying in front of Ways and Means and, and you had mentioned Small Business Committee and other things. So it really started because health care premiums were absolutely out of control and there was no way to really understand them. Now some people will say that we still have a problem with healthcare. care. Yes, we certainly do, um, but I, I felt good about the beginning of that work um, and, and that's really what, what got me interested in understanding how important it is that there's a small business voice that is not represented by the NFIB and the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. You know, there's a difference. We kind of get this idea, and your show is probably a great place to talk about this, that there's a monolithic business voice. There's not a monolithic business voice. Big, 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 huge corporations have a different agenda, right? And and they look for different things than small businesses do. Um, we're looking at aggregate demand. We're looking at making certain that money doesn't get sucked out of our communities, that money stays in our communities to circulate. Um, I I think that's a
1: giant difference absolutely Uh, I've been chatting with David Boris uh, an advocate for the uh, fair tax Uh, amendment uh, and your upcoming uh, many of us have already voted um, but if you're going out uh, to vote you certainly will see it on your ballot it is important to pay attention to every race as David was just saying uh, advocacy and elections do matter. Uh, David I know people can learn more about the fair tax by visiting voteyesforfairness.com and of course researching the issue. Uh, Researching the issue is very important Um, but David is there anywhere else where you would like to send our listeners where they can learn more about uh, your business advocacy and uh, everything else you've been involved in
4: they can certainly go to mainstreetalliance.org um there's a tremendous amount of work we've been doing on trying to get a little more help to small businesses uh in pandemic relief uh we're at a, a critical tipping point right now i think that what happened early on uh the the first cares act was fantastic i think their business is just hanging on by their fingernails and if we can give them a little more push a little more help to get over the vaccine hump until next april or may that we can save millions well of jobs. well david we're gonna that have to leave it there i appreciate
1: your advocacy your voice mainstreetalliance.org vote yes for fairness we'll be joined by dr jim white in just a moment Back on the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. We've been talking about business advocacy, but according to two statistics published by the Small Business Administration, the SBA, seven out of 10 new employer establishments survive at least two years and 51% survive at least five years. That is quite a statistic. And uh, I'm thrilled to be joined by our returning guest. As I always say, my friend and my mentor, Dr. Jim White. Jim, welcome to welcome back to get down to business.
2: Thank you, Scott. Welcome. Always a pleasure.
1: It's great to have you. So, uh, Jim, you talk regularly about the landmines of business failure and how to avoid them. We just shared that staggering statistic Mm -hmm. um, and you have worked with businesses over your long career. And I mean that as a compliment, Jim. Um, (laughs) So, Jim, how can people avoid those landmines?
2: Well, first, uh, Scott, uh, let me lay out four uh, major landmines that I've uh, encountered over the past four to almost five decades. Number one is the financing hurdles, I often refer to that, that's lack of working capital. The second thing that we see that are some of the landmines is uh, what I call inadequate management or the lack of business acumen and or qualified staff. And the third thing that we see over and over and over is ineffective planning or no plan whatsoever. And the fourth thing that we, have, uh, we see all the time is lack of marketing plan, and like I said, an even worse a lack of a marketing plan is for the business owner to realize the importance of a marketing plan. So, those are the four common areas that are typical landmines of small businesses. How do you avoid them? Well, capital, capital, capital that uh, I capital 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 and especially uh this day and age with the uh covid-19 pandemic and all the businesses suffering i cannot stress enough uh, i mean you cash in, in in the plan and uh and in, in the marketing you got to find different you got to find different markets today than maybe you did 6 months ago or even 1 year ago uh, so, uh, uh, how to avoid them? Maybe something that we can continue to dig down on over time, lay out some more specific things, especially with the times that we're living in.
1: Absolutely. And there are many, uh, many landmines um, that exist. And uh, I think business owners are experiencing many of them right now in this world of COVID. Um, but we we've talked about some of those fundamentals about proper business management um, over our recent segments. And uh, you certainly have, uh, have seen a thing or two, Jim, I want to actually touch on the period that we're in right now, uh, COVID-19 um, in your experience is, uh, is, are we recoverable? Are the businesses that have had to furlough, will they be able to, uh, to pick back up? Do you see that, uh, that end in sight?
2: I, it, I, I respond this way. And what a great question, Scott. And I know we have limited time here. Um, it depends on the business. I, I think it's going to be very challenging for the uh, restaurant industry or the leisure industry. It's going to be challenged. Uh, there's going to be from manufacturing. I, I think there's some recovery there. Uh, and also, an, another thing you and I talk about daily, uh, opportunities we have in these Qualified Opportunity Funds and Qualified Opportunity Zones. So uh, I would encourage every, every business owner to learn more about that because there uh, there are some uh, uh, relief. It's not necessarily from the government uh, that uh, I think everybody should take a look at.
1: Well, that's, that's such but an important point. Optimistic. That, no, that's uh, that, yeah, that's yeah. great to hear that you're optimistic, and there's, that's such an important point that even in this uh, sort of challenging period that we're in, there are opportunities. But one of those important opportunities is 16 days away, um, which is the election. Yes. Um, the election. And I know yes. you, yeah, both of us share this message for our listeners: get out and vote. I've been chatting with Dr. Jim White, the author of the best-selling book Broken America. Check out brokenamerica.com. Jim White, thank you so much for joining me on the air as always.
2: My pleasure. Have a good evening.
1: Have a great evening. You can always get on Get Down to Business. Uh, download our podcast wherever your favorite podcast platform app is. We'll be back next Sunday at AM 560 The Answer.